right. Jesus is my help. I need you to open your Bibles. Who knows where I'm going? Hey, look at y'all. Look at the gift of prophecy moving up in here. Hosea 9. Oh, look at that. Y'all been in my business. Hallelujah. All right. Father, in the name of Jesus, have your way. Amen. I tried to keep this thing on my mouth. I'm just going to stand back because every time I go in, the, the mask goes in my mouth. I'm sorry. But y'all just stay covered and we're all right. Amen. I'm going to start by reading, we're going to read the entire chapter of Hosea 9. God, use me, have your way. Let no flesh be glorified. Let this word change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give me a little bit, um, DJ? Just a little, I don't have to work too hard. Glory, amen. Um, I wanted to make this announcement. It's, it's, I, how many are being blessed by the book of Hosea? Amen. Being blessed. Amen. That's a blessing. So one of the things that God did put in my spirit for us to do as a, as a ministry, once we do come out of this theological um, teaching, um, which could be probably next year as many classes as they are um once we complete that then what we're going to do as a church on bible on thursday nights is we're going to begin to uh, yes amen we're going to begin to exegete the entire bible verse by verse starting from genesis to revelation Amen. I don't know if anybody's ever read the Bible from beginning to end, but you should have. But um, we're going to take our time and slowly study through the entire books in the, in the Bible. Amen. And it'll be so much more fruitful because you'll have a new way and an understanding once you come out of the theological class that it'll just really, really, really bless and enrich your life. Amen. Amen. So right now we are in Hosea chapter 9. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to give you what God gave me to give to you and, and we will get out of here. Amen. The word of, word of God reads, Do not rejoice, O Israel, with joy like other peoples, for you have played the harlot against your God. You have made love for hire on every threshing floor. The threshing floor and the wine press shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail in her. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt and shall eat unclean things in Assyria. They shall not offer wine offerings to the Lord, nor shall their sacrifices be pleasing to him. It shall be like the bread 
of mourners to them. All who eat it shall be defiled, for their bread shall not be for their own life. It shall not come into the house of the Lord. What will you do in the appointed day and in the day of the feast of the Lord? For indeed, they are gone because of destruction. Egypt shall gather them up. Memphis, and that's not our Memphis, shall bury them. Nettles shall possess their valuables of silver. Thorns shall be in their tents. The days of punishment have come. The days of recompense have come. Israel knows the prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is insane. Because of the greatness of your iniquity and the great enemy, the watchman of Ephraim is with my God. But the prophet is a fouler sneer in all his ways. Enmity in the house of his God. They are deeply corrupt as the days of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first fruits of the fig trees in the first season, but they went to Baal Peor and separated themselves to what is shame. They became an abomination like the things they love. As for Ephraim, their glory shall fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, no conception. Though they bring up their children, yet I will bereave them to the last man. Yes, woe to them when I depart from them. Just as I saw Ephraim, like Tyree, planted in a pleasant place, so Ephraim will bring out his children to the murderer. Give them, O Lord, what will you give? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. All the wilderness, all the wickedness is in Gilgal. For there I hated them because of the evil of their deeds. I will drive them from my house. I will love them no more. All their princes are rebellious. Ephraim is stricken. Their root is dried up. They shall bear no fruit. Yes, they... Yes, were they to bear children, I would kill the darlings of their womb. My God will cast them away because they did not obey him and they shall be wanderers among the nations. I know you can't look at your neighbor, but if you could, I just want you to, I want, I want to speak this into your spirit. No more shortcuts. No more shortcuts. There's no doubt that we live in an acquire-it-quick generation. We, we are a people who love the shortcuts. We, we want love fast. We want money fast. We want ministry fast. We want miracles fast. We want promotion fast. But anyone who has walked with God for any amount of time knows that God does not do anything fast. God likes to take his time. He took his time with delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt 400 years. He took his time bringing them to the promised land 40. He took his time with, with prophecy and the fulfillment of Christ in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
And we've been learning through our study of Hosea that Israel has a lot of issues that all stem from not being able to wait on God. If we are going to see God move in this season, we have to understand the dangers and the blessings of not waiting and waiting. Somebody say, I don't like to wait. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, we don't even like microwaves. Microwaves have become too slow. We need a higher power microwave. Why is this meal taking one minute? I need something that's going to cook it in 30 seconds. The Bible says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So when we don't wait, we rob ourselves of strength. Renewal only comes through waiting. Somebody say amen. Amen. So let's look at and let's learn what I want to give you some, some points out of this chapter that we just read. And notice the first thing that he says. He says, rejoice not as the other people. An enemy to patience is envy. An enemy to patience is envy. They wanted what they saw. The others, the the sinners, the Gentile nations, enjoying the pleasures of sin. The Bible says in Psalms 37 verse 1, do not be envious of evildoers. And in Hebrews 11, we learn that the pleasures of sin only last a season. It is amazing that at, at death, at death, at the point of death, and we all got to go there. We can't get into heaven without passing through death. But at death, it seems like we always value what's important. Have you ever talked to somebody who was on their last breath and 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 at that moment they start talking about what really matters relationships and that's 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 what matters see see in life we value what robs us of relationship but at the end of life we want relationship Follow me. Follow me. Rejoice not as other people's. They were they were envious of, of what they were doing. You, you you need to not be envious of anybody, but because when you start looking at what somebody else has, then it moves you to a place where you don't want to wait on God to fulfill what he has for you. And you start doing things that'll make you get what you are after. And for that sake you will risk you will risk relationship to get other things. I'm going somewhere. It is amazing. I, I remember oh, and when, and, 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 and y'all heard the story before, but but I, I remember when my brother was was uh, about to go home, and I, and I and and my brother had anything and everything that he wanted in life. He there was nothing that he could not have had and had his hand on. But at the end, when it was over, he wasn't asking who's going to get the Porsche, who's, who's going to get the money, what's, where's my chain, where's my this. He didn't ask any of that. He just said, I, I, I wish I would have did better with my children. I, I wish I would have spent more time with the people that are important to me. 
And, and most of all, what, what about your relationship with God? What, what, what have you sacrificed at the altar that has cost you your relationship with God? So he tells them, don't rejoice like other people. Don't, don't be happy like other people. Don't, don't rejoice with evildoers. And, and we have a problem, see, because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if, it's, and if God is not enough for your joy, then, then there's an issue. Whatever, whatever you can't be satisfied with what God is doing in your life, then you need to check it. Because at the end of the day, God can take everything away from you. And you can either become bitter or you be can become better. We like to read about Job, but we don't want to be Job. Or we want what Job got at the end of his story, but we don't want to go through his story. Can you be happy and can you have joy with peanut butter and jelly? Can you have joy when you don't have a lot of zeros at the end of your bank account? Can you have joy when all hell is breaking loose in your health? Can you have joy when God isn't answering the prayer that you think he needs to answer how he's supposed to answer it? Somebody better talk back to me. So he told them and Hosea, he said, listen, do not joy as the other people. And then he says this, when you're, when you're the one who loves shortcuts, it says they love the reward of the threshing floor. Did y'all catch that? They, they love the reward of the threshing floor. Some of you have a translation that says corn floor, but the corn floor is the same idea. It is the same idea as a threshing floor. Now, this is important because threshing is a process of loose, loosening the edible part of the grain or other crop from the chaff to which it is attached. Follow me. It is a step in grain preparation after reaping. So after you got something, you beat it against the threshing floor so it would separate. And then you walk away with what, with what was profitable, profitable. A busy threshing floor was a symbol of a plentiful harvest, right? Because in Joel chapter 2, verse 24, you can go back and read it in your own leisure time. It speaks of a sign of abundance if the people repent. So if the people repented in Joel, God said, I would send abundance and there would be an abundance at that threshing floor. But here's the idea that God wants us to see in Hosea when he's telling them this. The idea is that the people wanted a lot without doing the work. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be quiet. It's going to be quiet right now because cause this ain't that, you know, it's going to fall out the sky. You're going to get it right now. This is this is no more, no more shortcuts. See, see, people want a lot, but they don't want to invest a lot. And what the people of Israel were, were caught up in because they wanted shortcuts. They didn't want to put in the work, but they wanted to come to the threshing floor so they can get something for nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere. I feel my help. You ready, Christian? We're going to have church early this morning.
this morning. See, see, you got to understand that when the Bible talks about a threshing floor, we relate it to a place of worship because it is at the threshing floor where God beats us and takes away that which is not profitable so that he can use what is profitable. So, so threshing floor is related closely to worship. I'm going somewhere. See, a lot of people in your life, maybe, maybe you'll catch it. They want to ride on the coattail of your worship. But they don't want to pay what it costs to worship because worship costs something. So they don't want to put in the work. They don't want to die. They want you to die and get in so that they can go ahead and ride on what you had to go through. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. That's why I don't be worrying about when people want to go ahead and talk about how God has chosen to bless me because you don't know what I had to go through to get to where I'm. Y'all not going to say nothing. I'm already, see, yeah, uh, there's no shortcut to worship. You can't come in and just feel good. It's, it's going to take something if you're going to get into the presence of God. Because the Bible says those that worship me must worship in spirit and in truth. So you can't come to God in flesh and lies. There's going to be no shortcut to worship. There's no magical, there's no magical uh, uh, formula to get into the presence of God. He said, when you come to me, you come, you, you, you come humble, you come bowed, you come ready to, you know, ain't no need to front with God. He knows everything about us anyway. He knows the good and the bad, so ain't no need, you understand? So, so, so you got to watch out for people. Who say, when you go to church, pray for me. While they sitting home watching the game. Hey, you know what? I need you to send a prayer for me, but I got to go chase this bag. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. You better pray for yourself because I got a lot of stuff that I got God to de deal with about me. And I... <laughs> uh, uh, I, I know, I know, I know it might hurt your feelings, but when I'm on, when I get into the presence of God, I'm forgetting about you. <laughs> Y'all ain't gonna say nothing, because uh, cause you don't know what it took for me to make sure that this door was open. So, 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 so watch this in verses two through six. I ain't gonna keep you all day. And these verses, God's reveal, God reveals some very important things that have been affected by shortcuts. Verses two through two through six. I've already read it. I'm just gonna preach it. And and the the, the children of Israel have chosen to take shortcuts. And these are the things that have become affected. Look at I just just you you saw the word. It was wine. Somebody say new wine. It was it was four things that were affected from verses two through six. He talked about wine, he talked about bread, he talked about silver, and he talked about a tabernacle, right? So when you're a person that takes shortcuts, these are the things that become affected in your life. Amen. This is self-inventory message. Amen. So the first thing is wine, and in the word wine represents a number of things. It represents prosperity, right? Wine. Whenever you see wine in the Bible, it represents prosperity. That's why the first miracle that Jesus did was wine. 
that people don't like that, but that's, that, 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 that has a lot of significance other than that, you know, the party had ran out of drink, you understand? It's like, you gonna throw a party, and, and now his mother coming, you know, we gonna look bad, we done ran out of Hennessy, y'all ain't gonna say nothing, I know y'all don't drink, but, um, you know, none of y'all in here drink, so, um, but, you know, when you run out of wine, you got, somebody gotta go to the PK, somebody gotta do something, so, so in other words, the first miracle Jesus did was a PK run. <laughs> that that went right over your head. So 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 we we don't ran out of drink, huh? Jesus, uh, oh here we go again. Where did brother go get some? Go get the jars, fill them up with water, and now I'm gonna make. So in other words, where the party looked like it was about to run out of and have lack, I'm gonna let you understand the prosperity that's in your midst by turning this water into wine. Now don't y'all go run out and get no wine. That's why in the black church, we don't serve real wine. We gonna give you the cup of Welch's grape juice. Cause we don't want you to run out of church and forget the anointing that you just experienced. And now your mouth is wet and you need something. Oh, I know I'm in the house. I told you don't play with me. I know what's in my house. So, so, but also, wine represents a divine symbol of grace. So when you see wine in the Bible, it represents a divine symbol of grace. And then it represents the Holy Spirit. When Jesus told him, how, how can I pour new wine into old wineskins? That, 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 you know, you need new wineskins for this new wine. It was a representation of the Holy Spirit. Now, the difference between what Hosea is talking about is the old wine was a process. I know when you read and you see new wine, it's like, why would the new wine be a bad thing? But in this text, the new wine is a bad thing because the new wine represented new methods and new ways in a quick way because they, 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 they found a new way because in the old wine process it had to take time it had to ferment it had, it had to go through a process and the people didn't want to wait for the process so they came up with a new way to make the new wine and get more money for the new wine because the old wine took too long y'all not going to say nothing you understand? So, so it, it's the difference between a bottle of Chardonnay or wild Irish rose but anyway so, so what I'm trying to tell you is they wanted it quick. And God says, hey, hey it's not gonna be quick. And, and, and he told them, your quick way is going to fail you. Now bread, bread represents provision. Somebody say provision. Isn't it something? They, Israel, they were going crazy and God is now attacking them where he knows it's gonna get their attention. He's attacking Israel's wealth. Because they were a wealthy nation, when they brought them out of Egypt, they came out with everything from Egypt. But that wasn't enough to settle. See, I, I don't know if you've ever read this or ever thought about this, but my mind goes to the fact of that the children of Israel had spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt, building up Egypt. When God delivered them, miraculously, they came out and they came out with all the wealth of Egypt. And somewhere in the course of history, all that money wasn't enough. Because they still
still wanted and wasted their wealth on what they saw other nations doing. That's why money never satisfies. Because you could have it all and be like, well, why? Oh, well, what is wrong with you? Like, if I just had that level of wealth, you'd lose your mind too. Ooh, because we as a people, this is a prosperity message. I know you don't like it, but this is truth. We as a people like to be broke on any level we reach. So if I make $100, I spend it out because I want what other people have. I need to look like what other people do. So I take my wealth and I spend it to look like that. And I'm still broke at a $100 level. If I get $1,000, I do the same thing, but I do it at a greater level, so I'm still broke on a $1,000 level. If I get ten grand, i am going to go out and I'm going to buy stuff that I don't got no purpose for. I'm going to spend seven grand on rims, but I'm not going to pay child support. So I'm broke at a $10,000 level. Now bread, bread represents provision. And here's how important bread was to the Jews. If you go talk to any Orthodox Jew, they will tell you, and matter of fact, you ain't even gotta go have a conversation with them. I'm gonna tell you what you do. Go down Ellsworth and look at their trash cans on trash day. And there is one thing you will never see in an Orthodox Jewish person's trash. And that is bread. They do not throw bread away. Because bread represents provision. They will feed the birds with it. They will feed ducks with it. They will, but you will never find any bread in a Jewish Orthodox person's trash can. Because they value bread. Not because of what it represents. It represents provision and it represents the word of God. Ooh. So what they have an utmost respect and reverence for the word and the things of God. And, and so what God had told them is that even their bread would fail. That the houses of their bread would fail. Which meant that people come in. Oh, y'all gonna catch me. People who value the word, this word is hitting them in a different way than those who don't value the word. See, I'm feeding you bread, but only a certain amount of you ducks are eating this bread. Some don't value this bread like other ducks. Oh, I am preaching up in here. It's been too long, but I don't know how to act right about now. But God, God listen. That bread was going to fail. There's nothing like reading the word of God and it's not working for you. So, so you can't read the word of God like a magical book. Like, I'm going to apply this scripture to my life because if you don't believe and you do not line yourself up with the word, the word will not work for you. And then you'll, you'll start feeling like it's stale bread. It's like eating stale bread. I found this new bread that I can't get off. It's called, it's, it's butter bread. Oh my God, that butter bread is the bomb. It is so super soft. Okay, you can get it. That butter bread ain't nothing like that butter bread. I'm telling you, listen. It don't got bad, so I'll get the dollar bread for the kids. 
and hide butter bread. <laughs> y'all ain't gonna say nothing. <laughs> nah, y'all don't do that no more. I got delivered. So, so <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta, there's certain value. You understand? It's like you, you don't waste this bread. This, this ain't no wonder bread. 99 cent bread. You know, my wife, you say, why you buy that bread? How much that bread cost? I don't know. I don't know. I don't look at it. I just like it because it's soft and it tastes good. That loaf of bread costs almost five dollars. So you can't waste no no loaves, no slices of that bread. Nah, that that bread is too good for peanut butter. You can't put peanut butter on there, not on this bread. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, but you you catching where I'm going with you? Now you take everything. See, you getting good bread. Don't, don't don't come throwing no nonsense on top of good bread. It ain't like I'm feeding you dirty bread, old bread, stale bread. You getting new bread. You gotta value the bread you're getting, and you sure as heck better value the baker who's cooking it. Hallelujah. Ooh. It affected their wine, their bread, and their silver. Now, silver represents value. It symbolizes value. It symbolizes wisdom. You know, in the Bible, the, the Bible says that um, wisdom is greater than silver. Because in the Bible, silver is, is identified as the mirror of the soul. That's deep, right? Because, because silver is bright and clear in appearance, it therefore represents qualities such as purity, clarity, and vision. And when you take shortcuts, it messes up your clarity, your purity, and your vision. You can't see straight. Or you, st you start doing stuff, you start doing shady, tricky things to try to get the vision to come to pass. I'm going to leave that alone, just let it sink in. And then it said it affected the tabernacle. That's the house of God and it also represents our body. So all these things, because they wanted to take shortcuts. There's, not, there's no shortcut to taking care of the house of God. People come up with all types of gimmicks. Ministry doesn't come easy. Ministry is hard. And, and I thank God that we, we weathered this storm and still are weathering this storm. But this, you know, this is territory nobody has ever ventured. You understand? This is new. You know, where you have to, you know, I was like, you worry about who you see and it's a different thing, it's a different thing that happens when you're in the atmosphere because you really get to see. See, it's hard to pick the gnats off the sheep when you can't see them. But when the sheep are in your midst, you, you get to see. And you, you, get to, you get to really understand. Yeah, you understand, it's, it's, just, it's just different. And so uh, a lot of times we, we got to understand that God, he wants, he wants to really see us. And he really wants to, to, to get us to a place where we can understand that there's no shortcuts when it comes to the things of God. And so it's got to be, it's, it's hard. You know, and we I thank God that that we that we're in this together. So, in verses seven through nine, things have come to a head because this is where you know God is is done. Watch this. It's just, this is I don't know if you saw it, but he says, "The days of punishment have come. The days of recompenses have come." Israel knows the prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is insane. 
the greatness of your iniquity, the great enmity, the watchman of Ephraim is my God, but the prophet is a follower and a snare in his way. See, this is when things have come to a head because this is God actually having a conversation with himself. This, this judgment has come. Pay, payment is due. And notice what happens as an indication that God is in control. The prophet is a fool. The spiritual man has gone mad. Remember in the Bible, King Nebuchadnezzar, who thought he had it going on and God struck him with madness because he, he wanted to let King Nebuchadnezzar know who was in control. Right? Oh, you see, see, catch me. He, it's only when God makes you crazy that you come to your senses. Oh, that, that, that was real good. That, that was real good. See, see, when, when God is going to let you know he's in control, he's going to make everything go crazy. So the prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is insane. It messes with your spirit. You, you know you are spiritual when something messes with your spirit. When you can't go to where you used to go to to get relief like you used to get. That's, that's when things are coming to a head. Judgment has come. And we like to think about judgment from God as being something where he's going to strike us dead, where it is going to be a tornado. But judgment, watch this, judgment from God is when you come to your senses. Judgment is when your lights go off and says, I have no business doing what I'm doing. Because it is a fight, not against you. It is a spiritual fight that is taking place. And it is God stepping in to an earthly situation to bring about a heavenly result. So what God, God then seems to have to have a trial all by himself in his recognizing, in his reasoning against judgment. He's found us, look what he says, he found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. Here it is, y'all. Where did God find us? Like, like you don't find grapes in wilderness. But, but he's talking about our forefathers. He's talking about Abraham. He's talking about those, those fathers who, where he found them. He found them. How did he find Noah? Before he destroyed the world with the flood, he said he found grace in Noah. There's always one. He, he always finds something fruitful in a place where there should not be fruit. Y'all better help me. Y'all not helping me right now. See, he found us like grapes in the wilderness. Where, where were we when God first found us? It, it wasn't like we were in a fruitful place when he got us. I don't know where you was at, but I was at a crack house. You understand? Ain't nothing fruitful about a crack house, but like grapes in the wilderness. See, see, when, when, when you start thinking, you, you start reevaluating your life and thinking about why you want to take a shortcut when you forget where God has brought you from. That, that's what I'm trying to get us to understand. Our fathers, now watch this. The fathers were the first ripe in the fig tree. Right? The first ripe in the fig tree. Now, now, now commercial. 
This is a money management commercial right here. This is what God's showing us. Do you know that it was law that they could not, if you planted a fig tree, they could not touch the fig tree for the first three years. The first three years, they could not touch the fig tree. On the fourth year, that first harvest from the fig tree had to be given to God. And then it was in the fifth year that they could enjoy the prosperity of the fig tree. I'm talking to those that want to start business. I'm talking to those that got that got vision, that, that don't want to take shortcuts. There's, there's no shortcut to your prosperity. It's going to take, if it, I, I, a man had told me one time, he said, listen, if, you, if you're not willing to stay at least ground level for three years and be able to sow, then it's only in the fifth year that you're ever going to be able to see anything off your investment. So, so that, that, that's that's a step. That's a process. And so we want shortcuts. We want to get rich quick. We don't want to do the three years. We don't want. That's that whole thing about why Jacob had worked seven years for his wife. People say, oh, that's a long time to be waiting to get married. And that's because you're so horny that you want a husband right away. You ain't gonna say nothing. I'm gonna preach it to you. Understand it. Seven years, that's a long time. Well, I'll tell you what, you could get married and you could be all messed up and then it's gonna take you six years just to get a divorce and try to figure out who's gonna get what. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. You might as well wait the seven years to find out if it's real or not. But don't nobody wanna put in no work. We want shortcuts. Well, you know, Pastor, he did it for you and First Lady. You know, you was, and you know, yeah. But you ain't me and First Lady. And you don't know the struggles and the things that we had to go through. And she did that. Well, she knew God, and I was halfway knowing God. And now you're going to bring up some joker that you don't even know what church they go to or if they saved. I mean, God's a miracle worker, but give him something to work with. Okay. You ain't going to say nothing. I'm going to close this message because this is the most important thing about this. This is why we can't take shortcuts. Because when you take shortcuts, they separated themselves and returned to Egypt. That's that's what shortcuts do. When it don't work, you, you go back to what you knew. They went back to what was familiar, slavery. Shortcuts bring you back into bondage. When you don't want to take the road, the Bible says that narrow is the road. Broad is the way to destruction, but narrow is the way to life. It's it's a long walk. It's, it's something that you have to do daily. It's, it's one step at a time. It's one day at a time. It's one praise at a time. It's one scripture at a time. It's one offering at a time. It's one prayer. It's one clap. It's one shout. It's one hallelujah. It's one thank you, Jesus. It's, it's, help me up in here. It's one at a time because if you don't do that, you 
begin to forget how good God has been. And as soon as you forget, you go back. You start going back to, you want the leeks and the onions that were in Egypt. You want the things that, that, the, that the pleasures of sin that only last a season because God ain't moving fast enough. But when you take shortcuts, the Bible says, hallelujah, that it affected their birth, their womb, and their conception. God said it, it messed with your birth, your womb, and your conception. When you spiritually, when you mess with shortcuts and you don't do it the way God wants you to do it, he says he's going to, he's going to curse your womb. He's going to curse the place that he wants to birth destiny. That you can't even conceive. And that if you do, it will die. Oh my God, y'all better. In other words, what shortcuts do, as I close this powerful message that got y'all all mad at me, the last thing, it, it, it affects our children. It affects our legacy. The next generation, shortcuts. And, and, and because we feel like we haven't arrived and we, God hasn't done it for us quickly, we're chasing what we want and we're 40 and 50 and 60 and 35 and got six and seven children. I'm going to preach to you. I, you understand? If you don't never come back, you understand? Listen, we, we do it at the sake of a next generation because we want to feel good. We want to feel blessed. We want to drive nice. We want to live luxury. We want all the things that each has so offer, but we don't want to leave anything to our children. So we do it at the sake of a next generation. And we cannot bring up a next generation. We can't cover our children. We can't bless our children because we don't understand. And all they seen was daddy take shortcuts. All they saw was mama take shortcuts. They never see mama or daddy just go through the fire. You got to teach your children that it's not nothing comes easy. Nothing comes easy. It's going to take time. It's going to take work. It's going to take struggle. It's going to take sweat. It's going to take worship. It's going to take praise. It's going to take you blessing somebody else when you ain't got nothing to bless yourself with. It's going to take, that's what it's going to take. Not shortcuts. It's not going to take a lottery ticket because a lottery ticket ain't going to get you saved. Thank you, God. It's not going to work. You belong to God. You're only going to get it when he give it to you. And if he chooses to dry it up. Now, here's the thing about shortcuts. Here's what it speaks to. It speaks to your faith. Because if we really believe God and know that he can do any and all things, then the enemy is after our faith. He's after what we believe God for. And so he wants to make things very long because when things go on for a long time and it's not short, then we start to doubt. I didn't say you don't get weak because we all get weak every now and again. We all go through a little now and again. Sometimes you just got to cry. But after I cry, after I wipe my tears, I'm going to say, listen, I don't need no shortcut. I'm going to still keep doing what I've been doing. I'm going to keep 
praising. I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep blessing. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm gonna, because the devil, you're not going to take my faith. I still believe God that he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all I can ask or think. So don't get me to try to doubt him because I know too much. Y'all better help me up in here. If the Bible says he put no more on you than you can bear, then don't, why are you not trusting the carpenter, the one who put the foundation in your life to understand that he would never let anything come on you that you can't take. And when it gets too heavy, just get somebody under you to help you lift it up. The problem is we don't help each other. We try to figure it out because I'm still looking for a shortcut. I don't even know how to go through. So if I never went through the long way, I don't know how to bring somebody through the long way. We'll walk this walk together. And if it takes us till we get the glory, that's all we got. But I'm not going to lay here and die. I'm not going to lay here and, and let the enemy rob me of what I'm believing. I got too much living to do. It ain't nothing ever come easy in my life. I, I, I ain't mad at you if you got it quick and you got it and you know how to keep it quick. But God ain't never done nothing quick in my life. But I can tell you something that is good about not being quick. I know how to let it last. It lasts when it ain't quick. You guard it when it ain't quick. I can't quit now. I've been in it too long. Who am I talking to? You better back the enemy up off you. Come on, go this way. I can get you there a lot quicker. You don't need that church stuff. Just think about it. If you don't pay your tithes for a year, that's about 10 grand. There you go. That's your new house. <laughs> Y'all ain't going to say nothing. Why keep going to that church? Ain't no men in that church. You ain't going to find no husband there. Come on, I got some way quick you can find somebody. Go to this happy hour after work. I know how to make you feel good. Just smoke this weed. It's legal now. Don't have responsibility and lose a job. Oh, he really started talking to you then. You got to take care of your family. Don't think for a minute I had to shut that joke up. What? You know you know some people. You ain't even got to touch it. Just give them. They'll get rid of it for you. The devil is a lie. I don't care if the church don't never give me an offering. I ain't gonna go buy no drugs. 
and try to sell nothing. You wait on God, he'll give you a $60,000 car for $5,000. You ain't gonna say nothing. <laughs> he'll put something on a lot that ain't nobody touch. All you gotta do is wait on him. You ain't gotta worry about it. No shortcuts. We can't take no shortcuts, brothers. We got a lot of things still going on. We still talking about them. We got dreams and we got vision. Don't worry, it ain't going nowhere. Everything that's been said has been written down. We just got to go ahead and just wait. And you see things come to pass. To God be the glory. And then you got to be patient enough to know that if I die and I don't ever see what God said, I bet you my sons and daughters will. And I'll be looking at it through the eyes of them. So, Father, we bless you. We're going to get ready to serve communion. Jesus didn't take a shortcut. He said, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass. God said, there ain't no other way. You're going to have to go to this cross. And that's the same thing he says to us. There's no other way. you'd have, If this is your cross to bear, I'll help you bear it. But as long as I'm with you, they try to tell you everything. Listen, we serve a mighty God. And we're still believing God to just blow this COVID-19 away. Just go ahead and blow it out of here. But you know why he hasn't done it? Because we still ain't catch it. The nation still has not repented. And now they're talking about there's something worse than that on, on the horizon. This is already breaking through. So yeah, we can't look at, I told you. My pastor called me this morning. Pastor called me at 8 o'clock this morning. I was out in the yard at my time with God and he said, of course, he encouraged me and we had our talking. Told me to speak with God. I have the word of God for the house on this morning. And then he, he began to talk about the things that are going on, you know, in that way. And, and he said, you know, uh, he said, I don't know if you've, if you've caught these the numbers of people that have died from this COVID, but it's one third of the earth's population. That's the book of Revelations. That a third of this population would be wiped out. But that's not the end. We are in the end times, church. I do not say that to scare nobody of this facts. We are in the end times. Hatred has reared its ugly head like never before. I'm, it was last night I went to pick up my daughter from work 
And it, it was funny, I left, my wife said, she said, why you leave so early? She got up at 9.30, I leave like 10 minutes to nine because I want to be in the parking lot and I want her to come out and we get, we get out. So I pull in the Target and parked in the Best Buy parking lot. There's this big truck, like the, 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 the mud riding trucks. And there was two Caucasian brothers inside the truck. And I'm like, why are they just sitting there? So I looped and I sat in front of Target and then the truck, it came and it drove past me. And they looked at me and they drove past and they, so I'm looking, I always watch, I'm, I'm very observant of everything around me. So I looked in my rear view and I seen them turn and they looped and immediately the spirit said, it's no good. And at that moment, my wife called me and she was like, I don't want you to get into an altercation. And I'm like, I know, I know she don't, she don't know what's going on. She's like, I don't want the police to come and say anything to you because you parked in front and something happened and you and go on. And, and I didn't tell her what was happening because I knew what wanted to happen. So I said, no, I'm good. I'm your pastor, I, ain't, I don't own nothing. I popped my trunk, got my blade out of my trunk, put it in my lap. They looped around and they came back. They said, nigga. And I just sat there and then it started raining. It just started raining really hard. And then they, they pulled off. And we thank you. We know that on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. He told us to examine ourselves. That we all have a right to eat from his table. If we don't eat, we don't have life. He said, let a man examine himself. And we all under the eyes of the Holy Spirit. We've all blood-washed believers. All eat in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the same manner, he took the cup and he blessed it. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. His blood that was shed on Calvary for the remission of sins. It's his blood where we're washed and we don't get the judgment that others face. It's his blood that gives us a, an opportunity to repent when we do fall short. He said it's as if we never sinned, all because of what he did, all because Christ didn't take a shortcut. All drink in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Father, we have done what you called us to do. We thank you for covering us and for keeping us. We pray that you watch over us as we go our separate ways, that we don't take any shortcuts. Now, God, we look for your way because your way is best. 
Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So help us to walk out this word, to recognize the voice of the enemy, and to God put in the work that you've called us to do. You said faith without works is dead. So we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace. Love you all.